Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about doors. Everything has an entry point. And the subject of doors in the Bible is an amazing subject because the Bible talks about doors that we need to close, make sure they're closed. It talks about doors that we need to open in our lives. And then it talks about doors that we can open for other people. So we're gonna have fun as we go through this series. And in preparing this series, I thought about um, the Thor movies, you know, and the Avenger movies, and I thought about Heimdall. Here's what he looks like, guys. Heimdall stands on the Bifrost Bridge, and in order to enter any of the nine realms, if you wanna go from one realm to another, these nine worlds in Asgard, you have to go through Heimdall, and he is one tough cookie. Next to Thor, He's the toughest, and if he had a hammer, I think he could take Thor, you know, but he's, he's Heimdall, and here's why I'm sharing that with you. You are the Heimdall of your life, and you're the one that can open and close the doors in your life, and if you open them, they will be open. If you close them, they will be closed, so I'm not the Heimdall of your life. Your mate's not the Heimdall of your life. Your parents aren't. Your children aren't. Your friend isn't, you're the Heimdall. So you are in a place of control and power. And this series is gonna show us about these doors we can open, close, open for other people. And I thought it would be appropriate in just launching this series to take a moment in this first lesson and talk about the most important door in the Bible. And if we, if we go through this door, then we can, we can be the gatekeeper of all the other doors, but we have to go through this door first. Uh, the majority of you have, many of you right now you're listening, you haven't gone through this door. It's the most important door. I call it the Jesus door and Jesus talked about it. And once we go through this door, then all the other doors open up to us. Here's how Jesus said it. Uh, this is John chapter 10, verse nine. I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pastor. He's talking about coming to God, entering the kingdom of God, being able to go to heaven. And he says, you've got to go through me in order to enter in. And then once you enter in, man, we get to live life in God's kingdom. We get to control the doors in our life. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. He's saying, I'm the door, except through me. And so this is the beautiful message of salvation. And Jesus was, God, he's God the Son. He always existed. He took on him a human body. He felt what we felt. He lived his life. He talked to us about God, showed us God, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. And then he died for us. He was buried, spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. And God raised him from the dead. And he said, whoever calls on my name. I'll save them. And I really believe there's some of you this weekend, you're going to go through that door for the first time. And we are excited about it. I'm going to give you a chance to do it at the end of this message. But once we go through this door, then it opens up all these other doors. And I titled this lesson, Someone's Knocking. And we're going to talk about someone knocking on the door of our hearts. And here's my big idea for this lesson. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. If we let Jesus in, will never wander off. And it's so easy to wander away from God. This is, this is for Christians, so not non-Christians, but us that are Christians. If we let Jesus in, we'll never wander off. And we're gonna read a text 
out of Revelation. Now, this text is not about the last days and the end times. It's in chapters two and three. We're going to read chapter three. Jesus literally wrote seven letters to seven churches. And the last church that he wrote a letter to was the church at Laodicea. This was the town that they were in. And many scholars believe that these letters, seven of them, there are divisions in what the church will be like or the church age. The church age is from when Jesus was raised from the dead till Jesus comes back. He's going to come back somewhere in the future. We don't know exactly when, where and when. Every prophecy has been fulfilled. The Bible says the only thing holding them back is God wants more people to come to Christ and come in his kingdom. He likes to have people in his kingdom. And so we're waiting for that. But this church, because it's the last, the seventh letter, it kind of is what the church will be like just before Jesus comes. So we're going to see a little bit of what we dealt with because they were dealing with the same thing or what we deal with, I should say. So this town, Laodicea, it was the wealthiest town in the Roman Empire. They were super wealthy. They had three cutting edge industries. One was the banking industry. It was kind of like New York City here in America. I mean, all the money ran through Laodicea. But then they had the, the, the biggest wool industry in all the known world. And they made these wool uh, robes that were beautiful white. They exported them all over the world. Then they had the, the cutting edge, the best medical school in the known world. They were famous for an eye salve that they made. And people came from everywhere to get their hands on this. And so we're dealing with a super well-to-do city. And Jesus has to write a letter to them. And at the end of the letter, he makes a statement. So we're going to start with a statement, pretty famous verse. It's Revelations 3.20. And it goes like this, look, I have been standing at the door. He's talking about the door of their hearts. And I have um, constantly been knocking He's just knocking, knocking, knocking. And he says, if anyone hears me, they can't hear him. Uh, but these are mainly Christians that he's writing to. Majority of them, he says, if anyone can, uh, hears me calling him and opens the door of their heart, I will come in. And here's, here's, here's an important verse. And I will fellowship with him and he with me. The creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with us. And it's, you know, these people already went through the, the Jesus door. So now he's saying, I want to have this relationship. But somehow they wandered. And we'll go up to the verses above. We'll find out how they wandered. But I wanted to help you understand this. And whenever I teach, I always say, God, give me a story. And I think God just makes all kinds of things happen in my life. So I have stories for messages. And this, this was an interesting story. The first time I, I ever swam in the ocean, I was 26 years old. So at 26, Gina and I were married two years and I, we're, we're down in Florida in the summer and I get to go into the ocean. My first time ever in the ocean. And that was because I grew up with seven or six brothers. There were seven boys, my mom and dad, and they couldn't afford elaborate vacations. So our vacations were, we'd drive three hours to Warren, PA, and we had two uncles and aunts there, and half of us would stay in one of their houses, half in the other. We'd be there about a week, and then we'd switch houses so we could be with different cousins. And that was our time away. Now, Gina, she had been to the ocean many times. She grew up with a white spoon in her mouth, you know? And, and so she was privileged, and I wasn't, you know? Uh, so, so we're just two different people. So it's my first time uh, in the ocean, and, and, and I walked out, guys, and I get 
just about this deep. First time I'm feeling waves and they're wanting to knock me down and I'm just enjoying it, but I'm enamored because first time in my life I'm standing there and I'm seeing ocean liners way far away, but I can see them. And they told us there might be dolphins out. So I'm looking for dolphins. And then because I grew up with the movie Jaws, you know, I was young, I'm looking for shark fins. It's like, dun, 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 dun. So I'm doing all this and I am so enamored. It's so beautiful. Genus, you know, just reading on the beach, just came out of the hotel and I just stared and looked for about a half hour. Then I turned around and when I turned around, Gina disappeared. Well, that would have been okay because I figured she might've got, you know, went to rinse off or something. But then I noticed the hotel disappeared. Now I'm blown away. Like this is what's going on. The hotel disappeared. So I walk out and I'm tired because the waves keep beating you. And I asked someone on the shore, I go, where's my hotel? I told them the hotel name. They, they said, oh, that's about a half mile that way. And I'm like, what? And I'm just shocked, you know? So I'm walking back to the hotel and I'm looking out at those waves and I'm thinking, they were beating me towards the shore. I felt that, but there was a subtle current that just moved me half, half, half mile from my hotel and I didn't even notice it. And so I go back to tell Gina and she says, duh, you know, white spoon in her mouth. And so, you know, so I didn't know it. So finally I, I feel like I'm gonna go back in. And so I'm staring out at this beautiful ocean again, but now I know every three, five minutes, I turn around and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for Gina and I'm way over here. She's way over there. So I make my way back like this. And then I turn and enjoy the ocean again. And, and then I turn around and, and all of a sudden I'm way down here again. So I pull myself back. And I thought of that story because that fascinated me. I, I, never, I never felt myself moving, but I moved and I saw what Jesus was trying to say when he said, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. They had wandered that far from God and they're gonna to go to heaven, but they wandered and wandered really far. And, and I began to ask myself, what's the hotel? What's the Gina that we have to keep readjusting and keep turning around and bringing ourselves back? And I saw it. I saw the number one anchor, guys, the number one anchor that, that just keeps readjusting our life because I'm not talking about us going out into the world and, and, and sinning. I'm talking about us just being beaten down by the world. It could be anything, you know. It, it, could, it could be a battle we're going through. It can be anything, but it just pulls us away from God. So I asked myself, what's the anchor? The number one anchor, guys, is corporate worship. It's, it's church. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a pastor and I oversee a church. I mean, you study the Bible. The Bible's all about corporate worship. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. And when I was a young Christian, I thought it was just because I had to check a box. Like if I go to church, Jesus will like me more. And so just checking a box. And then, and then I saw it. I saw it here. I looked at where this church had wandered to. And the streams of this world had pulled them away. And to me, it's the number one anchor. It just, it keeps readjusting us every time we come to church. There's just something about singing songs corporately, guys. There's a power in it. And I know if you're new, you may not engage, but let me give you a secret. I, I just always see myself as if I'm standing right in front of the throne of God. I just see with the eye of faith and I just imagine I'm singing right to God. And, and I'm telling you, every time I'm in worship, God deals with my heart. God speaks to my heart. And no matter what the world did, no matter how far I drifted, just brings me back. It's amazing what happens. And then, and then, uh, what else do we do? Well, read your Bible during the week. Get on to some kind of Bible reading program. Why? 
And we don't do it so God loves us. God loved you before you accepted Jesus. He loves you. He loved us before any of us wanted him. No, we do it because it's full of these nuggets. And every time we read our Bible every day, it just, it just keeps readjusting us and bringing us right back in line. And then I always try to worship a little bit at home. And I know for some of you that may be awkward. Once you break through, it's fun. Or play some worship music in your cars. It, it's just something, it just cleanses us and brings us back. So in the morning, I like to worship. And I have these Air, AirPods, you know, the wireless Apple Ear, earbuds, and, and I put them on, and then I do what I call wor- uh, whisper worship because I don't want to bother Gina, you know, and anyone else that's there. So I'm like, well, worship, and I'm whispering, but the music's pounding inside of me, and if I ever sing by mistake, everybody in the house will be just, it will ruin their day. So, so they don't want to hear me. I can't sing, right? I'm tone deaf and all those other things, but I just whisper worship. And it's amazing what happens. And, and I want you to understand, this is not to condemn anybody. I'm just going to share with you. I pastored believers for 36 years. Gina and I started believers in 1983. And you know what's cool about that? I've been in the same place for a long time. I think I should almost have a medal for, for sticking around for 36. That's a long time to stick around in one place, right? And so I, I, I've noticed things. You notice things when you're in the same place, right? So let me just help you see what, what I see from my perspective, because I, I, I've noticed Jesus knocks, and a lot of people have wandered so far, they, they, they just walked far away. Now, if you ask them if they love Jesus, they would tell you yes, and I think they do, um, but they've wandered and wandered, and sometimes the world then pulls you in deep, and then people struggle in areas and fall into sin in different areas. So here's what I noticed. There's times when people leave a church and they just need to leave, right? Because they move out of the area. And I remember, I don't know if it was five, six years ago, we had a whole year where every weekend when I was in the lobby, someone came up to me and said, and they had tears or they were choked up. They said, we're moving to South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, because we couldn't find work here. And they're just so sad they have to move. And that's why I hate South Carolina, North Carolina, and Florida, right? <laughs> have a hard time with those uh, states. So, so, so. That happens. Or sometimes somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, um, we just feel led to go to another church. And I'm, I'm like, well, I'm going to miss you, especially if I know them. I will miss them. Uh, but I understand. That, that's cool. But the ones that bug me are the people that never go to another church. They just wander and wander and wander. And they're never coming back to focus on the shore. And so I'll see them. They'll, they'll start coming twice a month, you know, and they wander and wander. And then, it's, then, then, then they come back and they get, get back a little bit, right? And, and then all of a sudden, it's once a month. And then they, they get back a little bit because that corporate work, it's powerful, right? But then maybe not see them for two months. And then pretty soon I see them Easter and Christmas. They become a creaster, right? And so it's, it's Easter and Christmas time. And, and then some, if I know them, I will call them. I'll say, hey, man, everything okay? If you left church, the church, that's fine. I just want to be a good pastor and make sure you're okay. Oh, I'm just so busy, and oh man, we love believers, and I'll get there, I'll be back. And, and, and then I don't see them for another year, another year, and, and all of a sudden, they're so far away from God. They'll tell me, well, I pray when I'm driving in the morning, and I believe they do, but they're just, the world's pulled them in, and then they end up falling into trouble and sins and relationship problems that if they would have got back, Jesus could have done so much for them. So what Jesus is saying here is, He's saying, I'm knocking, and he's asking us, keep, keep your heart open. And, and, and I think the three main things is church, 
Corporate service is, is amazing. And then reading your Bibles and, and then doing some worship, it's an amazing thing. And that's what keeps me in line. Uh, uh, I remember before I was Pastor Joe, every time I came into church, it was like the most amazing thing. We do our worship and, and, and it was just amazing. I'd hear the message and God was able to minister life and readjust my life. And if, if, if you're here, you know what I'm talking about. And so I wanna go up and read this letter and I wanna show you how far this church wandered just so we can learn from it. So take a look as we go up. This is verse 15. It says in Revelation 3:15, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. Jesus is actually speaking to them, right? But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And guys, the first time I heard somebody preach, I was like 20 years old or so. I heard a pastor preach. I'm sitting in the seats like you. And he got to, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I'm sitting there shaking because he's saying, you know, if you sin, if you do this, Jesus is just going to spit you out. You're going to lose your salvation. And I'm sitting in my seat shaking because uh, I was 20. I just struggled with pornography that week, you know? And I said, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Or I did, I just always struggling. And I'm sitting there shaking like, oh my God. God. And all I could think about is the first time I chewed tobacco. I was really a cigarette smoker, but the first time I tried some tobacco, I hadn't met Jesus yet. And I thought, let me try this. And I put it in my mouth and it was so gross. And all I could think about is <laughs> just getting rid of that yuckiness. And I'm thinking, that's what Jesus is going to do to me when I'm sitting in that seat. And I'm like a nervous wreck. And then as I grew in God, I realized, well, that's not what he's saying at all. And I learned a little bit about the city. So we talked about how wealthy they were, but there's something else you wanna know about the city. They had the worst drinking water in the known world in the Roman empire. It was terrible drinking water. And they say if somebody visited the town and they tasted the water, it was lukewarm and murky, that they would spit that water out. So Jesus is trying to help them understand something that they can connect with. So. They also had these two cities. One was Hierapolis, six miles northwest. They had these hot springs and the people from Laodicea would go up there. They had uh, medicinal healing purposes they felt. So they'd sit in the hot springs. And then uh, to the south, about 10 miles, they had Colossae. Colossae had this beautiful snow mountains that would melt and they had the best cold drinking water. So you know how we have water bottles today? They'd go and bring some things and they'd bring that water back and they'd drink it. So when you know that and you reread this verse, here's what Jesus is saying to them, guys. Romans 3.15, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I thought Jesus was saying they're not on fire or, or backslid. And, and then he says, I wish you were one or the other. And I thought, why would he want you to be cold but, uh, and, and just have nothing to do with God? No, he's talking about this water. And he's saying, I'd like you to be like those hot healing springs, uh, or I'd like you to be like that cold drinking water from Colossae. And he's saying, you're neither. And check out Jesus' sense of humor. He's doing some correcting, but you, you can see he has a sense of humor. So he says, but since you are like lukewarm water, he's now cracking on their water. Isn't that amazing? Uh, he says, neither hot nor cold. He says, I will spit you out of my mouth. What's he saying? Guys, spiritually, you've become distasteful to me. They're still gonna go to heaven and all that, but he's just saying, you're spiritually distasteful. And then he goes on to show how far they wandered. Listen to verse 17. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need anything. And I really believe it's kind of like the Western church, America, Europe. Um, even for those that don't have a lot, 
we're living better than the kings did in Bible days. And just think of all that we have. And they're just saying, I don't need God. I have everything I need. And that's kind of what's going on. They had wandered that far. And he, he goes on and says, and you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He's not telling them they lost their salvation. He's just saying spiritually, you guys are not doing all that well. You think you're doing well, but you're not doing well because spiritually you're not doing well. And he goes on to say this, Revelations 3.18. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold has been purified by the fire. Then you'll be rich. What's he talking about? They have all the money they need. He's talking about spiritual gold. And that's, guys, I'm telling you, even as Pastor Joe, when I read my Bible in the, in the morning, it's just like God gives you nuggets and those nuggets just wash the world off you. And, and you might've wandered, you might've been beat up by the world and, and you might be fighting a battle and it's like, God gives you some gold. It's amazing. Can we say thank you God for gold? Cause he gives us gold guys. And then also he says, buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And remember they're famous for their white wool garments. He's not saying that they're, you know, that, that they don't have the robe of righteousness on. Jude chapter one, verses 21 through 24 says that we can stain our garments. And he's just saying, guys, you've wandered so far. I just want to pull you right back so you can be cleansed. And he goes on and he makes this statement. He says, an ointment for your eyes so that you'll be able to see. And he's talking about their ointment, but he says, I can open up your spiritual eyes. And there's just something about God opening up our spiritual eyes that's absolutely amazing. How does it happen? I, th I think the big anchors are corporate worship, but then reading our Bibles and and, and worship songs and all that, just God's presence, it's amazing. And listen to verse 19. I appreciate verse 19, it means God loves us. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. And so what's he saying? Guys, you have wandered so far, I've been knocking and knocking. Not a great knocker, do it from the back. And, and he says, you're not hearing me. And so he's encouraging them and I really believe God's gonna be knocking on some hearts today, but I wanna give you even more of a reason to, to make this time with God important because we don't do it so he loves us, we do it because we can fellowship with the creator of the universe. And I came up with this statement, if we let Jesus in, we'll turn the world's power off. You know, Romans 6, 6 says that we literally can take our bodies, our bodies are of this world, and if we accept Jesus, we're born again on the outside, but these bodies, they love the current of this world and they wanna be drawn in so easily. And so we can literally turn the power that the world has on us off by hanging out with Jesus. And I always use this example. I use the example of how light dispels darkness. And I remember one message a while back, I turned the lights off in the sanctuary and I said, guys, if I gave you all shovels and had you shovel for a million years, we'd never get rid of the darkness. Why? Because darkness is simply the absence of light. All you have to do to get rid of darkness is turn on the light. When we hang out with Jesus, we're turning the light on and the Bible teaches us that it literally, it literally, will disarm this, this part of us and it just keeps bringing us back right into focus. So I thought of a story for this. I have three grandchildren and uh, Joey's 10 and Riley is eight and they have been an absolute blessing. I babysat them this past Friday for Joe and Aaron. And then um, we have a newborn, Ophelia, and she is 
five months old. Here's a picture of her. This is Ophelia. And, and I've gotten really close with Ophelia. And uh, when she comes over the house, I take her on a journey and she just loves my journey. It's the same journey every time, but we just walk around the house and then we go outside in the garage. And so when I go up to her mom, her mom's holding her, I say, you want to go on a journey? And she just starts going, ah, ah. she's so excited. She, she smiles with her mouth open. Ah. And, and so I pick her up and here's what she does. She lays her cheek on my cheek for the whole journey. And she's just like, and I, I always take her to the kitchen fan. She loves fans. And I point to the fan and I talk about it. And then I walk her up to the pantry and I'm a little OCD. So I face some of the products while I'm showing her the pantry. And then I take her in my office and I show her my chair and I show her the TV. And then we go outside and she loves outside. Now it's a little colder. So I just have a screen door with the screen and we stand there and I talk to her about outside. And she's just like outside. And then we go in the garage and I show her all the shelves on the side and point things out. We have a refrigerator in the garage. I open it up, show her what's in there. And then we go to my vehicle and I open the door and I set her on the front seat and she just giggles. And then I get in and sit her on my lap and I let her play with the steering wheel. We have a blast. Then we go to the back wall. Well, the other night it was cold. So I left the garage door shut and I turned, I just, I just pushed the garage door button for the light. So the door's down, but I pushed that light on and we did all of I said, and then we're on the back shelf and I have all these things on the back shelf. I take off, I talk to her about them. She's like this, you know, and then the light went off and it was pitch black in my garage. She didn't scream, but I had a drill there. And when you turn the drill on, we always play with the drill. It's a battery powered drill. Uh, a flashlight just turns on a little light so you can see what you're doing. There's no drill bit in it, okay? But I just, I just let her hear it. And, and then I let her touch it when it's not running, but then I move it away. And, but she loves that light on there. Well, I did it so the light comes on and it nearly lit the entire garage. It was like, it blew me away because it's a little, little bulb and the whole garage was nearly lit. And I thought about what I'm saying right now, guys. It doesn't take a lot of light to get rid of the darkness in our lives. And it's amazing what God does. We can wander, the week can push us, weeks, months can push us. But once we just get back to our fellowship time with God, it's amazing what that light will do. I wanna show you a scripture, very, very famous, very powerful scripture, and it goes like this, Romans 13, 14. On the contrary, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just opening the door, corporate worship, read your Bible. That's how you clothe yourself. And notice what it says, and make no provision for gratifying your earthly cravings. Those cravings could be worry, they could be fear, they could be anxiety, they could be sin. It doesn't matter. But there's something about getting in the light that just shuts everything else off. And why, why is this? Guys, it's so awesome. We can literally hang out with the creator of the universe. And this church had roamed so far that he's saying, man, guys, I want to hang out with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to hang out. And I believe God's knocking on some hearts. That works better. I'm working on some, some hearts today, man. And, and I believe there's some of you. He's really, really, this is going to be a turnaround day for you. The light's going to go on and God's going to begin to bring peace to your life and joy to your life like you've never, ever had. I want you to hear what the apostle John wrote. He, he was one of these guys that literally walked with Jesus when he was on the earth. And listen to what he says in 1 John chapter one, verses three to four. We saw it, we handled it. And now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. So he said, I was right there with Jesus, but he goes, now you can experience it. And he says, this experience of communion with the father 
and the Son, Jesus Christ. You and I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe, not just going through the Jesus door, but beginning to have a relationship. And he goes on and says, our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. In other words, as a pastor, I can tell you, when I see people fellowshipping and hanging out with God, and I know the current of this world, it, it just they just keep making their way back and they begin to focus. It's a joy like you cannot believe, guys. And the thought that you and I are able to fellowship with God is amazing. So, you know, I've been a Christian a long time and I know what this world can do. Even as Pastor Joe, I can get so busy with church that I neglect, you know, looking to the shore. And, you know, I can, I, I can preach a message pretty easily, but I can neglect hanging out with God. And so I can tell you in my, my life, it's the most amazing thing in the world. So some of you are listening right now and maybe this whole concept is awkward to you. I understand that. It was awkward to me at one time. Pastor Joe, I read my Bible and it just doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe you're reading the wrong part. Re read the gospels, read the epistles. It will make a little more sense, but it might be awkward at first, but I'm gonna make you a promise. God will show you some gold that will change your life. You know, trying to worship at home might be really weird to you. It might be weird to worship in church. You know, it's like, oh, Pastor Joe, I just don't do that. You know, well, I'm, I am, there's no one in here that's more of, of an intellectual kind of guy. I'm not the smartest guy, but I am, a, I, everything's mental to me. It's gotta go through my brain. And if I can worship, anyone on this planet can worship, any Christian. It's awkward at first, but man, is it amazing. And then you might think, I can't get, I can't get it in my schedule. I can't get it in my schedule. And I realize sometimes we're busy and super busy and things come up, but guys, if you just make a note to get back to shore, and, and just hang out with Jesus in a corporate service, it will change your life forever. So I really believe, I really believe there's some knocking going on right now. And that's a good thing. That's one of the reasons we come to church, right? It's a good, wonderful thing. And for some of you, your door, your heart's wide open and I commend you. And I just wanna you know, remind you, maybe you can help some other people, but for, for others, this world's drawn you away and, and maybe you're not doing anything terrible, but you've drifted. And I wanna encourage you to begin to do what God created you to do, to hang out with the creator of the universe. And I always like to do this. I don't know, it's become my thing at the end of every message. I don't know about you, TCI, Borman, Warren, but are you excited the creator of the universe wants to hang out with you and spend some time? Can we give it up for the creator of the universe? Woo! Are you glad I didn't go the other route? God's gonna spit you out if you don't get your life right, right? No, no, he wants to pull you back to the place you need to be. We need to pray. Bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's just pray. I, I believe there's some knocking happening. I believe there's some knocking happening. Right now, some knocking. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And if God's dealing with your heart, all you have to say is okay. Just yes, Lord, all right. Lord, I see that. Lord, I, I've, I've gotten out of the habit. I'm gonna begin to do it. Or Lord, I've never done it, but I'm gonna begin to do it. And Lord, oh, now I, I see it, I see it. I don't go to church to check a box. I go for that corporate worship and the corporate word that keeps realigning my life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Borman, TCI warn. just say yes. And then I believe God will open up your eyes to just a couple adjustments to make. It will change everything, guys. It's amazing. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're in this time of prayer. Maybe you're here, TCI, Borman, Warren, and 
you're not sure if you've walked through the Jesus door. You know, we live in a world where I call it post-Christian society. We all know who Jesus is, so that, that can really be deceit, dis, deceiving to us because it's not about knowing him in your head, it's about accepting him in your heart and, and saying, I'm, I believe in you, Jesus. That's when we walk through the Jesus door. And maybe you're listening, you can't remember a time in your life when you prayed, you accepted Jesus, but you're, you're saying to yourself, Pastor Joe, something's tugging, something's wanting to pull me through that door. I want you to know that's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit working with him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jesus said, we already saw a couple verses, but he said, if you believe in your heart that God raised me from the dead and you confess with your mouth that I'm Lord, he says, I'll save you. And, and so, guys, it's all about us saying, Jesus, we want to let you in. We believe you're the only way to heaven and accepting him. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening and that's you, I would like to pray with you right now. And, and all of us here, TCI, Borman, Warren, we all want to pray with you. So can, can, can you guys help them? If you're praying for the first time, just mean it. The rest of us, let's pray so they can hear us. And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and the sins of the entire world. This day, I receive you as my Savior. I declare you're my Lord, and I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.